0: a reading from the book of Acts. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The word of the Lord.
1: Welcome again, One Fellowship family and friends. It's so good to be with you today. If you are a guest, my name is Drew. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at One Fellowship. And before we go any further, let me pray one more time for our time in God's word. God, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for being the word and being living and active. I pray today that you would speak to us through this passage that we would be changed, that you would work on our hearts, that you would work on our minds, that you would draw us closer to yourself. So no matter where we are today, God, would you meet us there? We pray all of these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. If you get to know me well at all, you'll quickly find out that I am a huge fan of vintage vehicles. In fact, four weeks into our marriage, um, Laura and I were in Atlanta, and I decided it would be a fantastic idea to buy an old Mustang on eBay, and so I I did. And I surprised her one day, and I told her that we were going to drive down to Savannah to pick up this 65 Mustang, and so we did that, and she wasn't as excited as I hoped she would be. In fact, she really didn't like this vehicle. I knew nothing about old cars, and so we got this thing home after blowing out a couple tires, and it had major issues, but I still made it my daily driver, constantly fixing things on the vehicle. And I remember one day specifically that I was driving on the highway, yeah, not safe, on the highway in Atlanta in this old car. I get off the highway, and I turn onto our street, And as I head down toward our driveway, I press and pump the brakes, and absolutely nothing happens. The car doesn't slow down at all. The brakes had been leaking. They were manual brakes. And I literally had to go all the way around our street until the street started to go up a little bit. I turned into someone else's driveway. I put the car in reverse. I came back down to our driveway. I looked crazy, I'm sure, to neighbors. I pulled into our driveway and I slammed the car into park. Now, long story short, here's what I realized that day. The importance of brakes. Something I hadn't thought a lot about. In fact, something I probably underestimated until that point. But I've always thought about brakes since then on any vehicle. Why do I say that? Because I believe that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we can underestimate the power and work of the Holy Spirit. How do we live in a broken world without being broken down? Whether you're a student or adult, no matter what age you are, how do we see the truth through the lies that we see in our day-to-day lives? How do we remain standing for what we believe even when others stand against, and vice versa. What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Everything. Here's the big idea that we're going to see in this passage today, that we need the Holy Spirit to prepare us and protect us for the mission of Jesus. Let me say that again. We need the Holy Spirit to prepare us and protect us for the mission of Jesus. All right, let's jump into verse one here. Here's what it says in chapter 13 of Acts. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what we see here is that God calls Barnabas and Saul to leave the church in Antioch where they had been doing ministry, where they had been raising up leaders, where they had been spreading the good news of the gospel. And they were seeing more and more people come to Jesus. Why would he do that? Well, here's why. So the gospel would continue to spread so that more lives, more families, more communities would be changed by the work of Jesus. This goes hand in hand with the great commission that we would take the good news of Jesus to all people. And that's exactly what we see here. And what's interesting is who is doing the sending? Who's calling out Barnabas and Saul and actually sending them out the Holy Spirit? Nothing, nothing happens inside of the mission of God without the movement and work of the Holy Spirit. You can sort of think about the Holy Spirit like this. In the Trinity, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is kind of like a Swiss army knife, doing several different roles, but all focused toward the redemptive mission and plan of God. And no matter who you are, seriously, if you're a student today, if, if you're even a little bit younger, maybe you're in elementary school today and you're watching this with your family, if, if you've been a Christian for years and years and years, no matter what stage of life you're in, if you have a relationship with Jesus, this is absolutely true, that we are all being prepared and we are all being sent. Now, for some people, God is actually, and he may call you and send you across the world for the mission of God. And for some of us, it's across the street to our neighbors. But this is a big deal. You can see that the church, the leadership in the church, they're praying, they're fasting, they're laying hands, and they're sending Saul and Barnabas out because there's nothing more important, there's nothing more critical than people hearing the good news of Jesus and responding to that good news. And the work of the Holy Spirit surrounds this entire movement. Here's what we see next in verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John there to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargeus. He was with the proconsul. Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Alimaeus, the magician, for this is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. This is a really strong statement that we hear from Saul here. He's calling out this False prophet who's trying to lead people astray. Why is he so harsh here? Well, think about it. Saul was someone who spent half of his life buying into a false belief. He knows how dangerous this is, and not just for himself. Trusting in the unaltered gospel of Jesus always serves a dualistic purpose to ensure that we aren't led down a crooked path away from Jesus and to help others do the same. And you notice the consequences here for this magician. What does it say? He was blinded. He was blinded. Maybe that was because he was actually blinding others from the truth. Whatever the case may be, this was serious. Because anytime people are led away from Jesus, that's a serious thing. When we think about the false prophets here, right? Whether it's false beliefs through a person like Bar Jesus here, whether it's culture, or whether it's Satan himself, we have to be on guard of these false beliefs because they can be incredibly deceptive. It says Bar Jesus here; he was he was a magician. He was enticing. He was compelling. We have to be careful. You notice in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be watchful, meaning be on guard at all times, for the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking to devour. How do we identify false beliefs? Things that don't align with the gospel. Well, here's one simple way. Anything or anyone that asks you to pledge your allegiance to it or to them above Jesus is a false belief. And we see that here with Bar Jesus and what he's attempting to do. There's this straight path through the gospel that leads us to Jesus, that leads us to grace through faith. And false teachings, false prophets, false beliefs are always making that path crooked. But here's what's really scary is that sometimes it doesn't take that much to actually get off that straight path. I heard this years ago this saying. The most dangerous false beliefs have just enough truth to draw us in. But at the heart, the gospel is missing. We have to be on guard. We have to be careful. And one of the Holy Spirit's roles in our life is to protect us from these false beliefs, to live within us and to go with us and to help us guard against buying into anything that anyone or culture may throw at us or ask us to follow that doesn't align with the person and work of Jesus. But I love what we see here in this last verse. Even with this attempt to pull people away from the truth of Jesus, it doesn't prevail. Look at this in verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord what this proves is that nothing can stand in the way of God's redemptive work. And the proof of this is in the gospel. Think of how many obstacles stood in the way of our salvation. Think of how many people tried to stop the ministry of Jesus, tried to diminish his ministry, tried to make him out to be a liar, tried to silence the message of faith through grace, tried to keep people in the bondage of of sin and in those chains, who tried to trick people into false beliefs of all kinds, who tried to stop the mission altogether by arresting an innocent man and hanging him on a sinner's cross to be buried in a borrowed grave. And yet, he overcame. He overcame death. He overcame the grave. He overcame our sin. And he continues to overcome. Even in the midst of all that we're feeling and all the unrest, Jesus is still overcoming If you think about everything that's going on today, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We have racial tension. We have injustice. We have job loss. We have emotional unrest. And yet Jesus is overcoming because nothing can stand in the way of his redemptive work. He's the hope in the darkness. He's the one truth among every other lie. He counted the cost and he chose love a love that has the power to turn skeptics into believers and believers into family. One family under one God, holding to one and only one truth. And here's a great summation of exactly what that truth is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the pure gospel of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is all about moving this mission and this message forward. So what does this all mean for us? Well, here's three things that I want you to think about and maybe take away today. First, we need to be a people who know the truth. We need to be a people who are constantly in God's word because we're learning more about him. We're learning more about his character. We're learning more about what he's calling us to. There's no substitute for God's word. It's not enough to know that there is a Bible. We need to be in God's word, soaking it in But it can't just be head knowledge. We actually need the Holy Spirit to work within us to confirm that God's word is the truth so it sinks down deeply within to our very beings, within to our hearts, and it permeates out of us in the way that we live our life. We need to be a people who know the truth. We also need to be a people who discern the lies. We need to be on guard, and this goes right off It piggybacks off of knowing the truth, that we need to be able to stand against what stands against Jesus and the truth of his gospel, that we need to be unwavering in this. And really, this is another role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, discernment, that we would be able to identify false beliefs, that we would be able to help others identify false beliefs, that we would be able to keep the path straight instead of crooked, always pointing to Jesus. And lastly, we need to be people who have a missional heart, ones that take the gospel out, just like we see here with Saul and Barnabas, who are committed to sharing this good news, this truth with others, that it goes with us. I have a couple buddies in the upstate that are church planners and I love the mission statement for their church. It's always stuck with me. And here's what it really means, I believe, for us as a people and as a church to have a missional heart. That every man, woman, and child would have the repeated opportunity to see and hear the gospel without having to come or go anywhere. What does that mean? That means that whatever neighborhoods we go into, whatever companies we go into, whatever schools we go into, whoever we're around, whatever communities we're a part of, in Christ, we're taking the gospel with us and the gospel goes through us in the power of the Holy Spirit who has prepared us, who's preparing the way, who's seeking to protect us from things that are not true and seeking to protect others who are going to come into this family and believe in this truth. We need the Holy Spirit to prepare us and to protect us for the mission of Jesus, for our sake, for each other's sake within the church, and for the sake of the community all around us. God, as our prayer to you in a world that's filled with lies, would you unite us by the power of the Holy Spirit as one family under one God, holding to one truth, the gospel of Jesus. Amen.